In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. On this day, the church remembers and gives thanks to God for St. Ambrose, who served as Bishop of Milan. He was born in the year 340 A.D. and died in the year 397. He served as Bishop of Milan from this date, December 7, 374, until his death. He was born in Trier, which is in modern-day Germany, and was a civil servant of the Roman Empire. He was named governor of the Roman province, whose capital was in Milan in modern-day Italy. And while he was yet a catechism student as an adult, the Bishop of Milan died. During that time in the church's life, there was a controversy that was still swirling about whether or not Jesus is God or if he was simply a creature that God had made. At Milan, the congregation met to choose the next bishop, and Ambrose came in his capacity as the governor because he sensed that there may be some trouble between the Arians, those who taught that Jesus was not really God, and the Christians who, like us, confess the Nicene Creed that Jesus is fully God of fully God. Well, when Ambrose got up to give a speech to sort of calm the crowd, again, he was still a catechism student at this point, the congregation insisted strongly, they started to chant, that Ambrose should be elected the next bishop of Milan. He went into hiding, but the crowds would not be dissuaded. And within a week, Ambrose was baptized. He was ordained, uh, consecrated as a deacon, ordained as a presbyter, and then consecrated as a bishop all within that same week. Now, despite this irregularity, Ambrose became the first of the four great Latin doctors of the church, ranked among saints like Augustine, Jerome, and St. Gregory the Great. So, all of that being said, how does Ambrose point us to Jesus, especially some 1,600 years after he was alive? Well, there are three things that I want to point you to tonight. First is Ambrose's work as a hymn writer. Second, his fearless preaching as one who called people to repentance and faith in Christ Jesus. And finally, as a faithful confessor of Jesus. So let's talk about Ambrose's hymn writing. If you look at the hymns that we're singing tonight, except for the Magnificat, which we'll sing right after the sermon, all of them were written by Ambrose. These hymns are more than 1,600 years old, and they are still in use in the church today. I often tell my kids that they need to spend more time reading classical works of literature than they do reading comic books like Dogman, which always then leads to a discussion about what a classic actually is. Well, in these cases of these hymns, I think we have an actually good example of what a classic is. It is something that has withstood not only the test of time,
time, but also stands up to the changes of the life of the church. These hymns did not remain bound to Ambrose's time and place, but were translated into various languages, contexts, and times. Savior of the Nations Come, which was the last hymn that we sang, was translated by Martin Luther at the time of the Reformation, which solidified its place as one of the great hymns of the Reformation. That means that it's come down to us today who are heirs of that great movement. These hymns have been enjoyed and sung by Christians for centuries. They will outlive us. And they will outlive anything that you'll find on the Christian top 40 charts today. These ancient hymns are precious heirlooms that our fathers in the faith have preserved and passed down to us from Ambrose's own hand. So why are these hymns so significant? Well, just take Savior of the Nations Come which I had to memorize in seminary, by the way. I'd forgotten about that until we just sang it. This hymn teaches a lot of really solid Christian doctrine in pretty simple form. It teaches us about the virgin birth, the incarnation, the eternal nature of Jesus, the two natures of Jesus, both divine and human, the descent into hell, Christ's victory over death, the righteousness of faith, And to cap it all off, it ends with a solid doxological stanza, which teaches us about the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. You won't find anything remotely close to this in modern Christian music. And this is why the church that sticks with the ancient hymns of the faith is a church that is more solidly grounded in the teaching of the scriptures. So that's the hymnody. Well, the second way that Ambrose points us to Jesus was by being a fearless preacher of repentance. I'd like to relate another anecdote from Ambrose's life to illustrate this point. In one famous incident, the Roman emperor Theodosius massacred thousands in the city of Thessalonica in a fit of rage. You know Thessalonica because St. Paul wrote two letters to the Thessalonians. Despite the emperor's obvious power, Ambrose met him at the door of the church in Milan and barred him from entering the church until he repented of his actions. Ambrose shows us that the only way to Christ is through repentance and faith. Jesus says in Luke 24, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. This preaching of repentance and faith is the only way to Jesus. This does require quite a bit of boldness, but not just on the part of preachers. Each of us, in our callings as Christians, are called to speak God's word of law and gospel to all those whom God has placed around us, just as we heard about Andrew last week bringing God's word to his brother Peter. We are also called to proclaim God's word to those who are around us. We probably don't know anyone who can order a massacre of an entire city, 
But we all do know people who have strayed from the truth of God's word. The boldness of Ambrose to preach God's word to power is a call to arms to each of us to be bold as we proclaim the word of God to those around us, regardless of the consequences. Fortunately, we know from our study last week of St. Andrew that God promises also, though, to work through that word to to bring repentance and faith to those who hear it. So we know that Ambrose is a hymn writer. He was a bold preacher of God's word. And lastly, we'll hear how Ambrose pointed us to Jesus by being a faithful confessor of Christ. Now, as I mentioned before, Ambrose served as bishop in a time where there was a lot of disagreement about who Jesus is. And even though the church had repudiated Arianism, that is, that teaching that says that Jesus wasn't really God, they'd reputed it at the Council of Nicaea, which gave us the Nicene Creed, that theological movement was still in full force in the church in Ambrose's day. In fact, we still have to deal with it today, Modern-day Jehovah's Witnesses are actually kind of the outgrowth of that, that error in teaching, saying that Jesus wasn't really God. So, Ambrose's predecessor in Milan as bishop was actually an Arian himself. So he had a lot working against him as one who would teach faithfully from the Scriptures. But Ambrose had a powerful weapon in his, at his disposal that we also have at our use, too. He used the scriptures, like the scriptures that we read tonight from John's second epistle and from his gospel, to show that the word of God was in fact God himself, that he was made flesh, and that he dwelt among us in the person of Christ Jesus. He would not compromise on this point because that is the truth by which we are saved from sin and death forever. Ambrose insisted that Christian teaching should be in accord with the scriptures. That should sound familiar to you Lutherans. False theology leads to a false Christ, and a false false Christ cannot save us. As we heard from the Gospel of John earlier, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Only the true Jesus, the Jesus that we find in the scriptures, only that Jesus can reveal the Father to us. In fact, our Lutheran forefathers also valued the writings of Ambrose very highly, citing him several times in our Lutheran confessions. And since it's better for you, I think, to listen to Ambrose than to me, here's one of the quotes that are found in our Lutheran confessions. Ambrose wrote a letter to another church leader in his day named Irenaeus, and he writes this. Furthermore, the world was subject to God by the law, because according to the command of the law, all are indicted. And yet, by the works of the law, no one is justified, for by the law sin is perceived, but guilt is not taken away. The law, which declared all people sinners, seemed to have done harm. But when the Lord Jesus Christ came, he forgave all people the sin which no one could avoid, 
And by the shedding of his own blood, he blotted out the handwriting that was against us. This is what he says in Romans 5.20. The law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Because after the whole world became subject, Christ took away the sin of the whole world. As John testified, saying in John 1.29, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Truly, this law and gospel preaching that consigns all to subjection under the law but gives us freedom through the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ by the shedding of his blood, this sounds like a sermon that was written by a Lutheran pastor. That is the teaching that our church holds so clearly and dearly today. This preaching of Ambrose pointed us to the distinction of law and gospel and how we are saved by God's grace in Christ alone and not by our own works. So, Ambrose's work as a faithful hymn writer, as a preacher of repentance and confessor of Christ from the scriptures, make him an invaluable guide for Christians into the word of God today. In these things, he points us to Jesus, who is the only begotten Son of God and our only Savior from sin and death. In Jesus' name, amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.